It's really great to see you here today. And today we're going to start an exciting series. Not because it's me, <laughs> but because it's God. Uh, and myself and a chap called Tommy Wright, uh, who's known to the church here, has preached a number of times at the church here. He lives over in Bells Hill. He said to me, Graham, how about we work through a series together? And I thought, that's quite a good idea. Prayed about it. And uh, I didn't know what I let myself in for about my walking. Because we're committed to working through Philippians in four weeks. Uh, one chapter a week. So we're not going to have the time to plumb the depths of each verse by verse. And you'll just please bear with me today if it goes slightly long. <laughs> because there is an awful lot to cover. And uh, we're under God's word. You know, in Africa, I think it's fair to say the services can sometimes go on a ridiculous length of time compared to our standards. <laughs> but they're praising God and they're not looking at the clock. But today, I'm just forewarning you, it's not going to be mega long, but it's probably going to have quite a lot of content. So I'll be preaching this week on Philippians chapter 1, on next week, Tommy, God willing, Philippians chapter 2, and then myself, Philippians chapter 3, the following week, and then Tommy, uh, Philippians chapter 4. So my encouragement to you, first of all, is could you please commit to reading this letter to the Philippians over these next four weeks? Because God's word... it's important we teach it from the front but it should be part of your daily reading and um, not just those who are called to preach and teach God's word from the front we're all called to learn and be taught by God directly from his word so you'll get a lot from Acts 16 which I'll just sweep over briefly uh, today which gives you the context of the church plant in Philippi and then please just read through the whole letter uh, and just read that throughout as part of your Bible study over these next weeks and months. Okay? Does that sound alright? Okay, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this fellowship here at New Beginnings in Murraysburg. Father, we just want to say again afresh that Jesus, you are the head of this church. And you're the head not only of this fellowship, but the, the church worldwide. You're the chief cornerstone. And we love you, Father. And we love you, Jesus. And we love you, Holy Spirit. And I just simply pray today that I would just disappear and that your word would be central. That you would illuminate your word to our hearts today by the power of your Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, I just pray you'd be pleased to use this frail frail vessel in many ways, Father. And just I acknowledge that your grace is sufficient for me in my weakness. Your power is great. And we just thank you, Father, as we empty ourselves that you fill us with your power. So we just pray, Father, you'd forgive us our sins as we forgive those who've sinned against us and we want to have clean hearts and minds here today in Jesus' name. And we thank you for the the, the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ as we'll be later on coming round your table to remember your death and resurrection. Hallelujah for the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all of our sins. Amen. Through faith in him. And it's in that sacrifice that we rely on today. Lord, unlock your word to us. Just carry us along with your spirit today, Father. We want to hear your words to us. So we just pray this humbly. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so we're going to start this series in in Philippians. And it may just be helpful just to look at the context of this letter that was written to this church in Philippi. It was written by the Apostle Paul, and he signs it, Paul and Timothy, verse 1, servants of Christ Jesus. 
And although we don't know exactly the right context or, or dates, it's likely, we certainly know that Paul was in chains, he was in prison at the time, and we reckon it was around AD 62, and that Paul would have been imprisoned in Rome at the time. That's what most scholars would, would agree with. So Paul in prison, most likely in Rome, around AD 42. But sometime before that, a church in Philippi was planted probably around 48 to 51 AD. And we've got an account of this church plant over in Acts 16. I mentioned that earlier on. It'd be useful to read that. I'm not going to read it all through. But we have a church planted by the Apostle Paul and team in Acts 16. And roughly a gap of 12 or so years from the church plant until this letter that Paul is writing to them from prison. Make sense? With me so far? I just want to draw out, if you turn to Acts chapter 16, I'll just call out a few verses. First of all, Philippi was a Roman colony, and it was the leading city in the district of Macedonia. You see that in verse 12. Secondly, Paul and his companions stayed there several days, verse 12. Then you see on the Sabbath, they went outside the city gate to a river, expecting to find a place of prayer. That's verse 13. And they shared the gospel there with some women that they met and one of them named Lydia who was a dealer in purple cloth listened and it says the Lord opened her heart to the message isn't that wonderful and God just demonstrating power that when the good news is preached he chose to open uh, Lydia's heart and there we have on record the first believer that's recorded there in this wee fellowship uh, in, in Philippi She was then baptised with water baptism after believing along with the members of her household and then she said come into my home if you think if you believe that I'm a believer come in uh, to my home. So she opened her, her home so really you've kind of got the first church uh, gathering there welcoming this new believing family this new believer welcoming the, the apostles into her house. Lovely isn't it? Very informal very real and the Lord is doing a work opening hearts of people hearing the good news about Jesus. Next we see that um, the cost of following Jesus is high. Paul and Silas were subsequently thrown into prison because they delivered a slave woman from an evil spirit. You would think that would be a good thing, wouldn't you? Delivering somebody from an evil spirit. But this slave woman was used by her owners for fortune telling and to make lots of money. And of course when... She was delivered of that spirit by uh, the apostles. The owners would lose money and were not pleased at all with that. So they came under great persecution. The cost of following Jesus is high. We're going to see that as we go through uh, today. It says they were stripped and beaten, verse 22. They were severely flogged, verse 23. But we also see in Acts 16 that the joy of the Lord is their strength. Paul and Silas are found in the midnight hour praying and singing hymns to God. Verse 25. It's quite something, isn't it? Would we be doing that in a circumstance like that? Being severely flogged, beaten, thrown into prison and chained at the midnight hour. Praying and singing hymns to God. And then the Lord moved in great power in response to their faith, worship and joy. It says, Suddenly a great earthquake comes, verse 26, and the prison doors fly open and everyone's chains came loose. Wow. 
Who says the Bible is boring, guys, eh? Do you think that's a boring story? It's not. It's such a thoroughly exciting story. God does amazing miracles there. Sets them free physically from a prison chain. Doors fly open. Amazing stuff. And we see also in Acts 16 that the gospel message was effective in these difficult conditions. Because right there when the chains fell off and the doors flew open... The Lord used that opportunity to reach the jailer, the guy in charge of the jail, who feared for his life because he knew he would get into great trouble for these guys getting loose. But the guys just sat there and said, we're here. And what was their priority? They didn't run for escape. They shared the good news about Jesus Christ with this jailer. And guess what? The jailer became a Christian, believed in Jesus, and then so did his whole household. And they were baptised. That's exciting, isn't it? So we see these the small fellowships starting in an amazing way, but it's starting under uh, great persecution, both for those who are leading and sharing the gospel message and what they have to face. But also we see how effective it is. It's real salvation happening to Lydia, happening to the jailer, happening to their families. So we see a real genuine transformation. Yeah? And that's how this church started. Okay, so that gives you some context. And let's move to our passage from Philippians chapter 1. I'll read all of the passage just once, and then I'm just going to move through it and bring out some themes and some points and some application to us. Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love knowing that I am put here for the defence of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, What has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, 
but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body whether by life or by death for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain if I am to go on living in the body this will mean fruitful labour for me yet what shall I choose I do not know I am torn between the two I desire to depart and be with Christ which is better by far but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body convinced of this I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith so that through my being with you again your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me whatever happens conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence I will know that you stand firm in one spirit contending as one man for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed but that you will be saved and that from God for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe on him but also to suffer for him since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have and we just pray God will bless the reading of his holy word to us today in Jesus name this letter to the Philippians is so full of encouragement I know we read a lot of scripture there <clears throat> But it's full of encouragement. Joy is a real theme throughout this entire uh, letter to the Philippians. You will see that thread all the way through, even in the passage we read here today. So that sense of deep-seated contentment in the Lord, rejoicing in the Lord despite our circumstances. That's a deep theme yeah, in this letter. But it's equally really challenging in this chapter to see the high standards that are displayed in the life of Paul and also how how these standards are outworked also in a very real practical way by him in the ministry, by his team and by all the folks in the church in Philippi. It's important to see that this letter is written through the context of much suffering and Paul's own experience and no doubt for the young church in Philippi. Some themes that come out other than that overall concept of of joy in all circumstances. You see in verse 3, if you look to verse 3, just keep your Bible open and look. I'll be going through the verses. We see thanksgiving says, I thank my God every time I remember you. You know, having a thankful heart to God is so important. And Paul is thankful, in particular in this prayer, for the blessing of his fellow believers. So just like us today, here in this fellowship, we're trusting God together and it's a blessing I hope you feel that thankful even just for the blessing of having fellow believers in Christ and he praises God who is the one who actually made them all come together from the very first day when Lydia came in her household in the jailer and then on from there it's also important to give thanks to God because straight away and you'll see this all the way through this passage God is getting the glory for everything man is getting no glory at all Paul is getting no glory the people are getting no glory God is the one who has started this thing continuing this thing and will finish this thing Amen? And you see just the sovereignty of God in starting this work you see the glory being to God the thanks to God about what was happening in this wee fellowship in Philippi. And I guess in our own heart, do we have a thankful heart? Regardless of the position we find ourselves in. 
And can we be thankful as Christians for the blessing of fellow believers? You know, we did have that wee incident there this morning. But you know, it was, it was good in the sense that there was brothers and sisters in Christ. There was folks here in the church who are a family who look after folk. You know? Who care in a practical, and a spiritual way. Amen? Who care. And when things happen, folks are there for one another. That's what it means to be brothers and sisters in Christ it's a blessing it should be a blessing we should be very thankful for it verse 4 he says I'm thankful in all my prayers for all of you again the attention just doesn't move from God (laughs) he's thankful to God and he's praying to God prayer brings God to the centre Paul knows that in his own natural strength he can do nothing And he also knows that no work from God can be accomplished without uh, praying and asking for that empowerment from heaven. It's the same for us today, for every believer in Jesus. Our prayers for one another, even as we had today for uh, the wee lad hurting his head, those prayers are our ministry. And we open the door for God to move in power when we ask him about our brothers and sisters now it's great we have prayer requests coming out in the fellowship here it's so central to the ministry of being a a, a true Christian and outworking it in our lives that we pray for one another specifically about the things that are happening in our lives so keep doing that and do that more and more and realise how central that is as you do it and you know sometimes in prayer we're, (coughs) we're anxious about things in Philippians 4, we'll get to that in coming weeks, but in Philippians 4 verse 6, Paul says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So there you see that if a Christian is not thankful and is not prayerful, they will not experience peace from God. And peace does not mean all of your circumstances get fixed. Peace means the Lord comes in and gives you a special supernatural peace that passes understanding. Amen? And isn't it wonderful? And we can go through traumatic situations. We can go through difficult situations. But we can still give thanks to God for who he is. For the work he's doing for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we can pray about them. And pray about everything. And God will move in. And bring his power and bring his peace, guarding our heart and our minds. Our hearts and our minds go crazy, don't they? Especially when we're anxious about things. We just go crazy and we're just uh, thinking the worst about everything. But when we give it to God, he moves in. He settles our hearts. He settles our minds. And we've experienced that even today as a fellowship. So we have thanksgiving, prayer. Joy. He says, I always pray in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy. As I said, the theme of joy in all circumstances does come through throughout this letter uh, to the Philippians. But why does Paul pray specifically with joy in the context of verse 4? Well, I think the answer is clearly in verse 5. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. This partnership working together for the sake of Jesus Christ together for the mission of telling the world about Jesus Christ brings Paul great joy. It's not a purposeless joining. It's a purposeful joining. (laughs) 
for God and for sharing the good news about God. And we also see that just a partnership aspect that no one really should be operating as an island in ministry. You know, if you're working for the Lord Jesus Christ, you're working in one huge team. Amen? And it's not just New Beginnings Church, it's the other churches around. It's everyone who says yes to Jesus as Lord and Saviour. Or on a mission together. And if we're operating as an island, if we're not open to fellowship with one another, if we don't meet together, then we're not displaying the will of God in that. And what is the work? Sharing the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. That's the, that's the core focus of what the church's mission is to be. Jesus said, go into all the world and share the good news. Share the gospel. Now, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, we want to just make it really clear. It's simple, but it's deep. And it's about trusting Jesus. God's only begotten Son. God himself come in the flesh. God who paid the price for your sins on a cross at Calvary, who died and rose again on the third day, and who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We are separated from God by our sin. God the Father sent his Son to pay the price for our sins. He rose again victorious after paying the price. And the way is open if we would believe. In some ways it's simple, but it's deep. Because look what God did, it was deep. But we, with simple faith... But real faith can say yes to Jesus. I believe that's true. I believe you died for me. And I accept it. And that's what Lydia did. That's what the jailer did. And that's when you become a Christian. If you haven't taken that step, speak to me. Speak to someone here about it. It's the most important thing. To be connected with God. To be forgiven from our sins. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. There's a heaven to be gained. To be gained and there's a hell in front. For those of us that don't repent of our sins. And any other gospel is not the gospel. There's lots of things being preached today, and we'll go on to just briefly touch on that, even in this passage. But that is the gospel, and you can take that step of faith even today. How has the partnership worked out? We'll see in other weeks around this, but the Philippians helped in financial ways. You see that in chapter 4. They actually gave financially to the work of the mission. They were very practical in their giving. And it's important for this church and for any church to be very practical about the giving. The folks give to the work of the church locally and then the church gives globally to missions that are near to home and missions that are far away from home. And in this particular concept, there was quite some distance between where Paul was in prison and the mission he was doing for the gospel and the church in Philippi. And I'm glad to say the church in New Beginnings is giving to Haiti and giving to other ministries in, uh, around the world in Africa. And the Lord is near. The Lord is active in these ministries. We are partnering with people that we trust, that we know, are operating with integrity, and that it's been used for the gospel and to help folks. They financially supported, and they also sent a worker as well, Epaphroditus. We'll hear more about him in chapter 2. And he's mentioned also in four. So in a practical way they gave, but they also served. Somebody went on the mission trip with Paul. They sent someone to be a helper to him. So again, just to summarise, the partnership in the gospel is for the local church, but we're part of a global church. We should be giving to gospel mission in various ways, both near to home and far away. And we should be partnering in service as well. Practical ways. We can send a worker to Haiti. We can send you know, people as well to actually go as well as financial assistance. We can pray. 
So we've seen thanksgiving as a theme, prayer, and joy, and partnership in this gospel mission. And now in verse 6 we see a very central truth that's emphasised here. And it says that God himself is working in his people to display his character and to accomplish his gospel mission. Verse 6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So we see again all the way through this that God is at the centre of this mission. He is not only the source of the good news message in the gospel and his son, but he's also the one that starts any real work of God in any area, in any person's life, like he did in Lydia's life, and the jailer's life, and he did in that new church in Philippi. This is encouraging to me. Is it encouraging to you? Because it's not us that starts the work. So therefore, it doesn't need to be us that is responsible for the finishing of the work. Now that doesn't mean that we're not to be obedient. Of course we have, and there's lots in this letter that talks about our obedience, our passion, our surrender to God, even in chapter 1. But God ultimately is the one who is operating our faith from beginning to last, and I find that really encouraging, that God holds you in his hand when you trust in Jesus. He started it, and he'll take it to completion. Amen? Amen. There's no lack of assurance in the Christian faith, and if anyone preaches that, they're wrong. It's not in the Bible. This is the assurance of the Christian faith. We can be confident that God will keep us in that decision that he's brought out in our heart. As we open our heart to him and trust in Jesus, it's done. It's a final decision until Jesus comes again or we we die and we pass into heaven like Billy Graham did this past week. In chapter 2 verse 13 we see this concept also. It It says, for it is God who works in you to will and to act. According to his purpose. What does that mean then? God works to make you want to do something in the first place. He opens your heart to want to serve him and love him. And then he opens your ability to do it. I encourage you. And you young lads as well. I I gave my heart to the Lord when I was seven. And I didn't understand hardly anything. I just wanted to trust in Jesus and God took me. And he's kept me ever since. Through all failing and sin and falling... God is faithful. And the best thing you can ever do in your life is say yes to Jesus. And he works in you. He doesn't let you go. This is what this verse is saying. God will not let you go. He will not stop working in you. He will (laughs) literally chase you down from within. And who has experienced that? If you're a Christian, you know you get convicted about your sins. And if you try and run, he's there. (laughs) He never lets you go. And I just love that about the heart of God. That God does all the work of the salvation work, I mean. And he actually outworks all the faith in our lives. And he drives us and he chases us and he moves us on. Hallelujah. Also very importantly here, you see what it's like to have a pastor's heart. And this is also a heart that a fellowship that is healthy should have. In verses 7 to 8, Paul says, It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. For whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. You know, we talked about letting the, having our hearts open to the Lord. And part of what happens when we do 
have a, a true salvation experience where God comes into our heart is his love, his, the very person of his spirit is living inside of us. And his love starts to move. It's not our love. It's not an earthly love. It's God's love. And who's experienced that in any small way? Who's experienced that? I have because I know that there's a love and compassion in me that does not come from me. I'm a sinful person with a sinful nature but when God transformed my life in salvation he's building in me his character of love by the power of his spirit so in a healthy church not a perfect church because there is none (laughs) but in a healthy church where God is working these things and there's real salvation that's important step one you've got to have real salvation first and then he works we should be seeing love displayed deeply both love for God, just real, real love, a real, a real heart for God, but also it starts to overflow. And this is what, if you look at the heart of this prayer, the sin here in verse nine, it's all about that. Paul says, "And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depths of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ." filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God so first of all he says love. we should be seeing love both for God and we should see it abounding you're jumping out of us <laughs> to others more and more growing going deeper more expressive you know one of the things that I think is really a blessing about New Beginnings is that I can just say hallelujah, praise to God that when somebody says to me they come into here and they feel more, what somebody said once I feel more loved here than when I walk through this door than I've ever felt in my life praise God because that's what this is God's love being felt in a very real way when anyone comes into touch with it But it's love with a purpose. Love so that we can have knowledge. Knowledge about God's word, which we should be reading. Knowledge about his operation and what he wants us to do from his word. Depths of insight so that we can see things the way God does. God loves different to us. Beyond us. And we learn about it through his word. And we learn about it as he outworks in his spirit. He changes us to be more like him. Love for God. Helping us to be pure and blameless. That doesn't mean absolute perfection. But it is the standard And ultimately the standard is accomplished through Jesus' perfect sacrifice for us because Jesus was the perfect Lamb of God who took on the sin of the world, your sin and my sin, so that we could be pure and blameless in God the Father's sight because he looked on the Son and he put the punishment on his Son. Amen? But it's still a standard, and that's what I was saying earlier on, this is not a loose gospel, this is a gospel with standards. And this love expresses itself in behaviour. Our conduct, which we'll see just later on, matters. Our actions matter. How we treat one another matters. <coughs> There's this thing called the fruit of righteousness, which I'm not going to just now, but study it. Fruit is a good thing. It's a healthy thing. It brings life. And righteousness is godly character. So there should be flourishing godly character amongst us. More and more of it. Flourishing godly character, fruit that comes through Jesus Christ. And just the other thing here is just to notice again and praise God for this <laughs> that also God supplies this fruit and God supplies the righteousness. It's all from Him. It says through Jesus Christ, verse 10. 
And all, again, in all of this, why is this happening? What's the point of all of this? That God receives all the glory and all the attention and praise. Verse 11, because he's worthy. Now we'll move into just this other area, conscious of time, but I'm going to cover the, the chapter here today. There's this suffer, context of suffering in verse 12. He says, Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So Paul is referring back to his current and, and recent time in prison. But he's saying, you know, through all of this, there's been a good purpose of God in it. What does he mean by that? <clears throat> Verses 12 to 14. Well, first of all, he says, the whole palace guard, so those who are imprisoning him, have heard that he's in chains for Christ. So they've heard about Jesus Christ, who they probably would never have heard about if he hadn't have been there. And no doubt, some would come to faith in time because they've heard the message. So that's the first thing for the advance of the gospel. Secondly, he says, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more boldly. Because they've seen how God has sustained Paul in prison. It's encouraged them to see the strength of God working in this situation. So they've went, I'm going to be bold in the face of persecution, which they all faced for being a Christian. And then thirdly, he also talks about people who are preaching the gospel with wrong motivation. And he says that as he's in prison, there's others trying out of envy and rivalry for him, trying to make trouble for him, but he still rejoices because they're preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. And they're not changing the message. The message is correct, what we mentioned earlier on. It's true, and it's the right message they're preaching. So he says, well, even for wrong motives, it's still advancing the gospel. The palace guard and everyone hears, the brothers are encouraged because they see the strength of God operating in suffering. And even under his own suffering and persecution from outside, the gospel still being preached. You know, today we have this prosperity gospel movement. And you sometimes if you turn on the television, it's good. And sometimes it's not so good. Or Some people today who say they're Christians and believe God's word would preach a gospel that would say, if you come to faith in Jesus Christ, everything is going to go really well in every aspect of your life. We're going to have health, wealth and prosperity. But they don't mention the suffering that you have to have for Christ, that he tells us we're going to have. And they don't mention the cost of following Jesus Christ. Jesus said to his disciples in John 16.33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And we see here that Apostle Paul was under severe persecution for following Jesus. And he was in prison with threat of death. And we should also expect persecution today. And brothers and sisters in Christ around the world are facing some, many severe threat and persecution. So it's important we don't cushion this following Jesus Christ and make it something it's not. It's following him and we'll be expected to go through difficult times. So maybe that helps us in practical ways when we go through difficult times. And when things do not go well, and when people are against us in situations in work, family, other things, not to just always think that we pray ourselves out of the situation. We should pray about all things. It's interesting, I just reflected on this. In Acts 16, God did a miracle and released him from prison. But in Philippians 1, he's in prison. And God, at this stage, has not released him from that. God is able to do that. He just did it. 15, 20 years prior. If God wanted him to be out of prison, he'd be out. 
So this is the, also the gospel of Jesus that we are content in the situation God's placed us, that we keep ourselves right with God. We have to be keeping ourselves right and praying. But he may and he will require us to go through hard times. And it's not for us to question that, but to focus on him. And you just see that, and I'm going to be concluding just shortly. You see the driver here through suffering. To live is Christ, and to die is gain. And that's verses 19 to 26. It's a really deep passage. I have no time to go through it uh, today. But Paul takes great encouragement for knowing, first of all, in verse 19, that the believers are praying for him through his suffering, for God's power to move. He also takes great encouragement from the power of the Holy Spirit, as he talks about there, helping him. And then he says, it will result in me being delivered. And he says, my deliverance may be by life, or my deliverance may be by death. And he says, if I live, I'll have fruitful labour, I'll continue with you. God will bless and the gospel will advance. And if I die, it'll be better for me, because I'll be with Jesus. And that's a better place for me. And again, I don't have time just to get into the depths of that, but that challenges me reading that passage because we can cling so tightly. We do cling so tightly to things on earth. And you see here a heavenly perspective that Paul's went deep with God. He's went deep to say, my relationship's so real with Jesus that I would rather be in his near presence in heaven than be here on earth. That it's better. So that's how deep it can go. And it goes deep. And even I would suggest through his suffering and pain, that's even when it got nearer. Because he chose to rejoice in the Lord, even despite his circumstance, and believe that God is good. And, and have a think about that, and pray about that in our own lives, as I will, and reflect on it in your own time. And just to summarise, we're, we're given a challenge that sums up the, the whole passage. And again, read this in your own time. We're encouraged to work worthy of the gospel. So he's mentioned a lot of things in this chapter, both in his own life and what the standards are expected and how it's supposed to be outworked. And then he says, verse 27, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. He talks about their conduct, being worthy of God's standards in a manner fitting. He talks about unity amongst the believers, the behaviour, that they stand one together. And he talks about not being afraid because we trust in God. So our conduct as a local fellowship here at New Beginnings really matters. That we behave in a way that is fitting for the Lord Jesus Christ and for his word. That we display unity. And it's a sign to the world. So just to conclude, there's a huge amount to reflect on just in one chapter. But we saw rejoice in the Lord always, firstly. Even through times of great suffering. We see that Christ being magnified or being exalted, or God getting the glory, is the highest goal that we should have in our lives. We see the gospel message being advanced should be our highest mission in life. We say that we are required to pray for one another and rely on the Holy Spirit's help to serve Him. And we see that our conduct, our love, and our actions are so important and are a sign to the world that God is alive and working. Amen? I trust that's helpful to you today, as it has been to me, and very challenging. And I just pray that God will continue to challenge us in this way as we move through the various chapters. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Uh, And Father, we just commit 
all of these things into your hand, what's been said here today. It's your word, Lord. And we do pray that you will speak to us through it, that you'll help us to understand more and more. I just want to pray that prayer. This is my prayer. That our love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that we may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen.